Happy holidays! Welcome to Animation Celery! Festive conversations about jolly cartoons! Bim bom booly booly bibbly bool. Where what happens when you don't finish school? I'm Micah. Oh, I'm Messy. This is Animation Celery, where we give each other cartoons to watch and then come back and review them and recap them and talk about them. And you're listening to this. Well, it's going up on Christmas Day. I don't know if you're listening to it on Christmas Day, but let's assume it is. And so we gave each other some Christmas themed episodes of a couple of cartoons. We got Micah to look at Adventure Time with Holly Jolly Secrets, and he gave me the Justice League comfort and joy. First of all, here's some holiday gifts for you in the form of talking about stuff. What have you got, Micah, I wonder? <laughs> so much. Uh, okay, first of all, some some upkeep. Uh, I was looking at Garfield stuff last week. Yeah, you were. And I was like proposing I was going to share John, the comic that predates Garfield and all of its weirdness. Right. It turns out that a lot of those things are available because of famous YouTuber Quentin Reviews. Hmm. And I watched a video of his about his odyssey to Indiana to experience all things Garfield. Oh. Which involved... I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm, I might have seen... I, I remember seeing some YouTube video that was like at the studio. Yeah, he did go to the... Which is closed down now that it's all done remotely. But uh, hmm. um, yeah, like he went to libraries to look at microfilms and get those old John and Norman Nat comics. Oh, wow. Or Norm Nat. Um, yeah, so unfortunately... I guess anybody who's looked at those John comics is apt to have the same kind of response. So we highlight all of the same ones that stuck out to me, like <laughs> the Thanks OJ one. And uh, yeah. there's one where uh, Liz is walking down a corridor and John's like waiting around the corner for like a creep and then springs out Jeez. and goes, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Liz is that old, huh? Wow. Yeah, she was. She worked at a diner, though. She was not a veterinarian back in those days. Oh, she uh, she was the proto Irma. No, she was a hiree of Irma. Oh, mm. yeah. Just paying her way through vet school, I guess. And John is a total creep. He just won't leave her alone. It would work better if he had if he had different girls that he struck out with as opposed to continually made this woman miserable. But anyway. Yeah. And retroactively, that's extra creepy because it worked out for him. Yeah. Because in current canon, he's, you know, they're dating. Well, that's like the old-fashioned love story, right? I asked her a hundred times, and eventually she broke down, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But here's the thing about the video also, is that Indiana apparently has a ton of Garfield stuff. Various towns laying claim to Garfield. <laughs> There's, like, Garfield statues all over that state. So... <laughs> I'm thinking that if I make it back down to Gen Con, which is the uh, biggest tabletop convention in North America, yeah. it's held in Indianapolis. I ought, oh. yeah, I ought to go take some pictures with some fiberglass Garfields. Yay. Yeah. Okay. Second point. I, I finished Centaur World. Ah, okay. It's as you say, and I guess the internet says, the ending is not really supported. It's just kind of here. This is what it was. Yeah, it's like an info dump. It's like, there's been no foreshadowing to any of this, really. Here's 
a complete info dump as to what the Nowhere King is, and now we'll defeat him. Yes. And, you know, I'm mixed on parts of the last episode, which I didn't remember, even though you told me was, uh, like, 90 minutes long, I guess. Uh, not quite that. 75. Okay, it's it's long. Yes. But I got to thinking, some things that have endings that aren't really earned still kind of have a life as spectacle. Hmm. And you know how sometimes, like, uh, friends that we know in high school will get together and, like, Lord of the Rings will just end up on TV. We'll <laughs> put it on, right? Just because. Yeah. I'd yeah. like to think that maybe there's some kind of, you know, group that would instead put this on. And hmm. I, hmm. I think that the the action is good when they eventually get to it. The action, the, the big battle is pretty cool. And I think it's better yeah. than Masters of the Universe Revelations climax. But that's another thing, like... I think if you're if you're the cool kids, that's the car, that's the movie you put on and pay half attention to while you're visiting with friends. Hmm. Hmm. Um, anyway, so I, I took care of that. Yeah, it's you know, center world is fine. Like, yep. it's like I said, the first season is like, oh, wow. And the second season is, oh, there's more. Yeah. And they kind of ran out of steam with the music. We talked about it last week, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like. So much of that episode is music, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a sucker for some really good lyrics and it's not always really good lyrics. They should have acted out the parts they didn't have uh, good verses for, but oh, well. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we all got a Christmas gift in the fourth season of Agretzko coming to Netflix. Have you uh-huh. watched? Have you watched Agretzko? I've watched. I've watched a little bit of the first season mm. and... I don't remember why, because it was recommended by a mutual friend of ours, and yeah. I don't remember why I never followed up past, like, two or three episodes. Hmm. I, I love it. This this fourth season has more of a return to grounded kind of thing. I thought the third season got a little crazy. Um, mm. I mean, there's always uh, cartoon capering, right? But the the third season, she becomes, like, a pop star. And oh, heck, the second season, she gets involved with a millionaire. So things get a little crazy in those seasons. And this one's more back toward like uh, the way the company's operating. So um, hmm. anyway, it's good. It's a fun time. I, I, I binged it. So cool. But OK, so what we're all here for, I know everybody's <laughs> tuned in for is my <laughs> thoughts on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean. Yes, I've been. Baiting my breath for like two weeks now. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, if I'm going to talk about this, first of all, there's going to be some minor spoilers. But right. I think that's okay because at least from my perspective as a consumer of podcasts, there's kind of three types of listening modes. Or, you know, the other op- option is not listening at all. But okay, yeah. one one is that I'll have these spoilers, but it's okay because some of the people watch JoJo anyway. They've already watched it. Right. Uh, the other is people who haven't watched it, but they might watch it if they learn some stuff about the show. Okay. And then the third is people with no intention of watching, but can still enjoy how weird <laughs> a show can sound when they have no context apart from hearing on, hearing about it on a podcast. Watching vicariously through you. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so this JoJo. Oh, shoot. I think it takes place in 2005. Okay. 
It's uh, Jolene Cujo, who would be the great, great, great granddaughter of Jonathan Joestar from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so when it starts out, uh, she's in the car with her boyfriend and they hit somebody and he convinces her to try to hide the body, but they get caught. <laughs> and so furthermore, she's fooled into taking the rap for him and ends up sentenced to 15 years imprisonment. All right. Yeah. It's the, the prison is on an island and there's it's, it's a complex with a, a woman's prison and a men's prison. Anyway. Uh, her father, a one of the Jojos, Jotaro, had a lawyer give her a pendant. Like, and if she was ever in trouble, she should get this pendant. And protruding okay. from the, it's like a, a locket, I guess, right? Protruding from it uh, is a piece of uh, one of the stand arrows. So you might not remember, but there, one of the uh, developments in the series is there. I guess I should go back even further, for people. Uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is about a bloodline of heroes, uh, the Joestar family. And increasingly, the story becomes about stands, kind of like ghostly incarnations that you can project from yourself, and they'll give you superpowers of various sorts. Right. So one of the uh, devices in the storyline, there are arrows made from an ancient meteorite. And if they strike you, uh, you become you often become sick. And then you either die if you're not compatible with the stand or you, you recover and get yourself one of these superpowers. So, yeah, he's got a pe- broken piece of arrowhead protruding from the locket so that when she pricks herself on it, it uh, gives her her stand so that she can better defend herself in jail. Hmm. Hmm. Now, in jail, in prison, she, she discovers that there's a lot more going on in there. Right, that there's there's like evil plots against the Joestar family. Okay. Now, one of the running things in JoJo's is the Joe Bros. So <laughs> that's just like just like the companions of the JoJo. So like Robert Speedwagon would be a Joe. Yeah, bro. yeah. I was I was trying to remember his name. Yes. Yeah. I know the um, guy. Okay, so there have not been very many female Joe Bros over the series. Okay. And of course, you're going to get some here. And they're excellent. I love them. Yeah, Jolene, for starters, actually, though, she, she's pretty cool. Uh, she looks cool. I, I totally dig her. Her stand, Stone Free, is uh, it's got the requisite, you know, I punch things fast that every JoJo stand seems to have. But uh-huh. its distinct power is it can unravel itself as string. And it kind of. Uh, you know, you're kind of bonded to it, right? So she kind of unravels too in a way that most people can't see, mind you. But anyway, um, so the string can, you know, do all the stringy stuff. It can grab things, pull things. uh, uh, It can be woven into things. Like in one case, she uses it as a netting to run over. Okay. And one of its neat powers is that she can remotely hear along the string and and communicate back as well. Right. Anyway, her 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 allies in this, um, one of them, Hermes, spelled Hermes like the Greek god. Her power, uh, kiss, is that she or or her stand. It doesn't come out of her very much. Usually, it's just from herself. She can materialize these stickers, and uh, 
The stickers, when she places them on things, create a duplicate of them. So okay. when she first gets over her fever from having been pricked by the thing, she, she's she got the sticker on her palm. She thinks it's just a Band-Aid or something, right? And she takes it off and, like, drops it. And yeah. then it's like another one hap- comes up. And so she takes that off and drops it, right? And then she's <laughs> looking around and there's, like, duplicates of stuff around with her stickers on them. So, like, <laughs> she, she's got three shoes. Uh, there's there's uh, two... Um, what do you call them? Uh, not bedpans, but uh, for peeing, the, the glass. And you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, uh, catheter? No, no, no. It's just it's just like a jug to pee in. Okay. Oh, chamber pot. I guess, yeah. She duplicates that too, right? Um, okay. So the thing is, not only can she duplicate things, but if those stickers are removed or destroyed, the two objects then are drawn to... Uh, drawn together with violent force and recombine, but suffer some damage from having done so. <laughs> okay. Because when you mentioned that, I was the first thing I thought of is, oh, just put some stickers on some money. <laughs> it's true. And, and I was watching some people talk about it and wondering, like, why doesn't she do that with the money? But I guess <laughs> it would it would come off and people would see their money go flying across the prison. But yeah. That's actually funny. That's a big part of her character is that she's a second timer at this prison. So she knows yeah. the ins and outs and she knows how to smuggle money in and stuff. Mm. Anyway, um, her powers, like, I think there's some user fiat to how exactly they work, whether you get a whole duplicate or just part. Mm. Because she's done things like uh, create extra body parts on herself or other people, like an extra arm, for example. Yeah. Uh, I guess I won't spoil. I, I want it because it's so funny. But uh, anyway, anyways, it's, it's, <laughs> you can you can you can tell me off camera. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, she's cool, and the that she has such a creative power and so many ways to use it is really neat. Mm-hmm. The other female Joe Bro in this, uh, Foo Fighters. I can't <laughs> really say too much about her without giving away a heck of a lot about her. Except, I like her. She's um, she's. In, infectiously enthusiastic, but at the same time childish and gross. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so she's always gives you something to something to experience. And <laughs> my favorite episode thus far um, is one where uh, Jolene, Hermes, and uh, Foo Fighters are out on the court on free time discussing their next plan, and they're passing the time. Uh, they're playing catch. And uh, Foo Fighters has never played catch before. She's never thrown a ball before. So she finds that really interesting. (laughs) And she's got terrible form, right? She's totally clumsy throwing it. But she's like, hey, but you know what? We've caught 87 in a row. Pretty good. And the villain, the unknown villain with a stand comes up and bets them. Tell you what, uh, I'll bet you $100 you can't complete the, the rest of 100 throws. And they take her up on that. The thing is, mm. uh, she has okay. She has a kind of stand that um, we've seen so far that is sort of like an invincible judge of a challenge. You know? Okay. So it will it'll judge the fairness of something, and it'll exact the uh, the stakes too. Right. So in this case, you know, if However it goes, it'll take the money from the other person or failing that they have money, do something else. Right. And there have been ones like this before where this like 
even if you cheat, they're so omnipotent that like they know what's in your heart, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So they, this is kind of like when I mentioned the spinoff uh, with Rohan, where it was a flashback about the guy who had to throw popcorn in the air and catch it in his mouth for the ghost. Right. It's really similar to that, right? And that they have to uh, throw the ball back and forth. You know, they have to do it within 10 seconds. It has to be at least three meters away. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like a hustler, they get, they win the first bet. And it's like, okay, 100 more throws for $1,000. <laughs> yeah. To which they know like, oh man, this is a trap. But Hermes <laughs> is like, we, we can't pass it up. $1,000 is $1,000 in prison, right? <laughs> anyway. See, seeing them, <laughs> I guess it, it fits within my yen, right? That they're playing catch, these super-powered people. Oh, and yeah. yeah, it's like a life and death thing, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty good, pretty cool. It's, it's, it's a worthy chapter so far. They dumped it all uh, at once. I kind of wish they didn't. I paced myself the two a day. But, <laughs> but you know, it's going to be a fair wait now for it to go on in the series. But uh, nah. good stuff. Anyway. I guess I guess that's all my gifts. What do you got, Matsy? Well, let's see. I have an actual gift. Oh. I've, I was at the store today and there was something that was on clearance and I thought, OK. And then once I bought it, I realized I should actually do this on the podcast. Yeah, it's uh, a My Little Pony thing called Cutie Mark Crew. It's basically okay. a blind bag figurine. Oh, neat. So I have it here and I haven't opened it yet. And I'm kind of worried about it because I guess this is series four and I'm guessing that the theme is beach day. Oh, and I'm just looking at all the uh, artwork and instructions on it and the actual capsule itself. Mm. And it says pull string to start the party. And I think that when I pull this string, a deluge of confetti is going to come out of this thing. <laughs> okay. So... I have a container that I'm going to open this over and see what happens. Sure. Get behind the shield. I'm pulling the string right now. Okay. Let me move my microphone a little bit. All right. Let's see what happens. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. There's confetti in there. <laughs> but apparently pulling that string, the only function of pulling the string was to dump the confetti out because it didn't actually do anything to open the package. I still have to rip the plastic bubble off of the oh. package. I was hoping it would drop off of some sexy pony. Ba-bum, ba-bum. Well, let's see here. Maybe, okay, what I can do is I can pull this off and, like, keep the, the plastic bubble can hold the confetti, I guess. Okay. Oh, gosh, this this is poorly. I, maybe I can do some editing on this. This is what Come those on. dollar store those dollar store vacuums for your desk are for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's see here. Okay, I got a plastic bag. Ah, what a hassle. <laughs> okay, plastic bag, what's inside you? It's, whoa, whoa, whoa! Ah, uh, hmm. Well, Which here's pony the are you? Here's the other quandary. It'll be a background pony, <laughs> right? Uh, I think it is. Yeah. But I'm also looking at it and it's like translucent plastic. Oh, so I'm so wondering if this might be like a weird, rare chase version or something. Or somebody from the Crystal Kingdom. Let me see. Oh, yeah. well, let me see here. What do we got? What do we got? What does this say? 
Uh, Lily Valley. Hmm. She is one of the neon collection here. So I guess this is like the second, because it looks like there's a whole bunch of them called Bright Colors. And this looks like, you know, I see Twilight and Rarity and all them. And then there's the neon ones, which there's one, two, three, four, six of. Oh, wait. And then. I know this pony. You do? She's pink, right? Pink with yellow hair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I recognize her. Let's see. Let's go. I, I definitely know her look. She comes with a coconut and umbrella. So I guess I can put the umbrella in the coconut here and it's a drink. Can she sit in it? She kind of can. Sexy. Great. Okay, she's she's got fellow flower ponies Daisy and Rose. <laughs> okay. And her typical role is to panic over a disaster. Oh, great. Okay. I can get behind that. I like that. I'm just looking. There's another one of these neon ones, and it looks like it might be Rainbow Dash. And they all come with an accessory. Like this one comes with this coconut drink thing. Mm -hmm. But I love this Rainbow Dash because what her accessory is, you know, those like, you know, those old like foam flip flops that are rainbow along the bottom with the rainbow thong thing. Right, right. I got you. It's just a big one of those. Ha. I kind of wish I had that. Like it was there at her photo shoot. I don't know. Just stand in that thing or something. I think Derpy might be in this too. Huh. Kind of wish I had that because I want to see what they call her. Oh, Dipsy Doo for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I was thinking about that the other day. So you remember there was that the episode where. Okay, for for anyone who doesn't know, let me back up. Uh, In the first season of My Little Pony, there was a. Uh, a background pony that had like weird eyes that were looking in different directions. Mm. It was either a background error or just a, a little prank that some artist pulled or whatever. But the show became so popular so instantly that fans of it picked apart every detail and decided that this pony's name was Derpy Hooves. Hmm. And then in season two, They gave this pony a speaking role and had Rainbow Dash refer to her as Derpy. She said, careful, Derpy. Yeah. And then they edited it. They took out the name, just said careful and changed her voice. So she sounded less dumb. Yeah. And yeah, there was there was another episode where like Rainbow Dash referenced Dipsy Doo leading, I don't know, birds in the wrong direction or some something like that. So basically this pony... So this they decided this pony's name was Derpy and they said, OK, this pony's name is Derpy. And then I don't know if they got complaints or what, but they decided, no, we can't do that. We got to edit that out. And now. Yeah. Ten years later, we got a giraffe tar named Derpleton. OK, but I would say Centaur World is not really for kids. Nah. I mean, kids are probably going to watch it, but it says Y7. Oh, does it? Hmm. I don't know. Well, I mean, just from a standpoint of whether it's right or wrong, I think I can easily imagine kids calling each other derpy and then, you know, that particular kid in their class being the one everyone calls derpy. So, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 that's true. Anyway, 
that was a cute little distraction. Mm. But the main the main thing I mentioned last week, dogs in space. I'm going to hold off on that until I've seen some more episodes. Okay. It might be a little telling that something like a centaur world. I watched the entire thing in one sitting and with dogs in space, I've watched two episodes in two weeks. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. I'll talk about it later. I was really interested in the voice cast. I think the voice cast is the, I did not realize the captain, Captain Garbage. Mm hmm. Voiced by Haley Joel Osment. Oh. Huh. The kid from The Sixth Sense. Yeah. But anyway, I'll get back to that later. The thing that I devoted some time to this week was I watched, well, it was at the time the most recent, but it's not anymore. Uh, the most recent special from South Park. Okay. Uh, South Park, as far as I know, has not been doing standard episodes recently. I guess because of COVID. Hmm. But instead, they've been doing a series of specials. Um, they had the pandemic special and then South Park vaccination special. Hmm. And I haven't watched those, but this third one really intrigued me when clips of it started showing up on my YouTube algorithms. It's called South Park Post-COVID. And it takes place in the future. They never really specify the year, although I think it's implied that it's 40 years in the future. Hmm. And all the kids are grown up now. Like it, they haven't done the thing where they just stay young forever. This is the kids now approaching 50. OK. And so the story of it is that the covid pandemic has ended. And during the pandemic, apparently the four main kids Stan, Kyle, Kenny, and Cartman mm -hmm. went their separate ways. They had a falling out. And Stan moved away from South Park. And he hates South Park. He doesn't ever want to go back there. But he is forced to go back there when he receives the shocking news from his old friend Kyle that Kenny has died. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's actually pretty clever. Under yeah. mysterious circumstances, the hospital is not saying what he died of. And so it's it's this weird look at the future. Like, it's so cynical. But South Park's South Park's satire, I, I think I don't like how much South Park swears now that they're allowed to. Mm. Like, it, it was always better when they were kind of skirting around it a little bit. Yeah. But now it's all they do. And I kind of don't like that. But it doesn't change the fact that their satire is still so sharp. Like everybody in the service industry, like a waiter, the guy at the motel, all these people, they're wearing mm. these weird like things on their head. Kind of imagine like a helmet that looks like a blue golf ball, sort of with just the face cut out. Right. OK. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, like, what? Why is everybody wearing these? And they never explain it. But I suddenly realized this is the future evolution of masks that people have missed the point of where oh, okay. these are masks that are covering every part of their head except their mouth and nose. Hmm. And that comes in later when I'll I'll spoil a little bit here. The cause of Kenny's death comes out and it is a new variant of covid. It is the. 
COVID Delta Plus Rewards Program variant. Oh, okay. And and so everybody immediately panics. They all they all run into the the supermarket to buy toilet paper. They're handing out masks, except nobody calls them masks. They call them chin diapers because they immediately put them on their chins and continue to run around with their faces uncovered. Mm. Like this kind of satire where like they've just completely they're, they're just taking the way that people have missed the point of like pandemic restriction things and just go with it. Like this is normal. Missing the point of protecting yourself is normal now. The crux of the story is that. South Park is put into quarantine because government records show that there is one person in South Park who is not vaccinated. But because it's the future and this is a recurring gag where they explain things by saying that it's the future. Right. And it's the future and they don't single anyone out for their beliefs. So the government is not willing to say who the unvaccinated person is. They're just going to keep South Park quarantined. Hmm. And yeah, there's there's plot involving Kenny because Kenny became a famous scientist philanthropist. Yeah. And he was working on something, but nobody knows what he was working on. So, yeah, there is a second part to this now, which I haven't watched yet. It's called South Park Post COVID The Return of COVID, Mm. which is the you know, this one ends in kind of a you know, it's unresolved. It's a little bit of a cliffhanger. They've kind of the kids have kind of figured out sort of what's going on and have an idea of what they have to do. But the next episode, the next special is about what they actually do. Mm. But yeah, I I actually really liked it. I like this kind of thing where they like, you know, they've grown the kids up like this is what they all look like when they're grown up. Cartman is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cartman, the adult version of Cartman. I won't spoil it for anyone. If you want to know, you can look at YouTube. But um, the adult version of Cartman is pretty amusing. And I think the second half is going to introduce the adult version of Butters as well, which yeah. I also think is pretty funny. Hmm. I like that Stan Stan is not married, although he has a woman in his life, but the woman turns out to be just his holographic Alexa. Oh, okay. Which he has the relationship like an unhealthy marriage with where, you know, she's like, why won't you let me help you? <laughs> like this kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I don't watch South Park regularly. But I always enjoy it when I do. Hmm. I've never really cared for it, mm. uh, largely because I don't like the voices. OK, the voices in this, the voices in this, by the way, it's the same voices, mm-hmm. except they just haven't pitched them up. Oh, OK. So it's like, you know, whichever actor, I don't know who does which voice, but like, you know, let's say Matt Stone. It's Matt Stone doing Stan's voice, but they just haven't pitched it up. So it actually sounds like an adult version of Stan. Mm. That kind of thing. I gotta say, like I mostly hear about South Park secondhand. For mm-hmm. its satire, I feel like it fence sits too much. Actually, yes. what it does, what it does is, is it equivocates everything. Yes. So it has no stance on anything, right? It's like, oh, if you think this, you're a fool, but the other people, they're fools also. I find it a little cowardly, but. Eh. Yeah, that's true. There are some like. I will say they don't make excuses for you do find out who the unvaccinated person is. Okay. And they don't make any excuses for him. They're not like, oh, this is a valid 
uh, stance. It's like he's he's kind of explaining. It's like, I just need to see more research. And they're like, it's been 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) Or there's a great scene where he's like, they're trying to convince him, like, why don't you just take the vaccine? And he's like, well, I'm I won't take the vaccine because I'm allergic to shellfish. Mm. And like, there's there's no shellfish in the covid vaccine. It's like, yes, I know. But I've heard that sometimes the scientists who work on these vaccines eat shellfish and I don't want them to get their shellfishness on the vaccine. Right. And so they're like, so you're not going to take the vaccine because of shellfishness. Yeah, that is correct. I, I, I will not take vac. I will not get vaccinated out of shellfishness, just a general sense of shellfishness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They also refer to, uh, it all it all went wrong when we elected that jackhole to be president. Although huh. that is actually a reference to previous seasons where Mr. Garrison was president. Okay, so that could not be anybody. <laughs> well, the thing is, in the South Park timeline, the 2016 presidential election was won by Mr. Garrison. Mm. It was Mr. Garrison against Hillary Clinton. But oh. So he's a stand-in. Okay. He he becomes basically, you know, he starts tanning himself orange. He gets this new weird blonde wig. He just acts like a complete moron. So it's it's Donald Trump. But they <laughs> yeah. just it's just Mr. Garrison being Donald Trump is what it is. But um <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, Wait. I thought that was interesting. Oh, some what? He Okay, so Mr. Garrison I don't really know the show that well, but Mr. Garrison uh, becomes a woman, right? Am I wrong on that? You are correct. He did become a woman. He became Mrs. Garrison. Yeah. And at some point in the course of the 25 seasons, when I stopped looking, he became a man again. All right. He he embraced the fact that he was a gay man. Huh. I don't know. I can't tell you any more than that. <laughs> I Like I said, I haven't. Like, I I watch it occasionally when it comes up, but it's not something that's like, I will not say that I've watched anywhere close to every episode of that movie or that uh, that show. The movie is quite good. I, the bigger, longer and uncut. I thought that movie was hilarious. Hmm. But anyway, yeah. So there's that. And uh, I'll get back to dogs in space. All right. For now, uh, we should watch something else. Um. I don't know. As we, we struggle for a segue. Um, <laughs> hmm. Well, hey, speaking of the future. Oh, yes. The distant future. <laughs> All right. It's adventure time. So some background on this adventure time. It's a long running and highly influential cartoon series that is about a boy named Finn, a human boy, that is, and his adoptive brother, a speaking shape-shifting dog named Jake. The two go on adventures in the strange land of Ooh, Three O's. Yeah. A sort of playground for boys to enact their magical heroic fantasies with a dash of darkness mixed in. They live with a little humanoid computer named Bimo, and they count a princess made of bubblegum, aptly named Princess Bubblegum, as their ally. Their chief antagonist is the Ice King, a wizard with cold-based magic, who has a penchant for kidnapping princesses. This fits into that uh, vicarious experience if you've never seen or understand the show, huh? Yeah. That description. Anyway, so the 
particular episode I'm looking at today is Holly Jolly Secrets, directed by Larry Likeleader in 2011. This show typically has half-a-sodes in it, but this is basically all the same plot. So, part one. Finn and Jake dig for treasure, specifically a suitcase that Jake found at the dump, then created a treasure map as a fun game to play with his human brother. When they open it and find video cassette tapes, it jogs Finn's memory. He saw their nemesis, the Ice King, bury that same case in the garbage dump under a pile of boogers. <laughs> yeah. I love when they just do stupid things like that. I thought they were just calling it boogers, but they mentioned it again. So he's really playing with a pile of boogers. <laughs> so their fun times continue with plans of having a secret screening of the tapes. For the secret, Jake posts flyers all over the trees in the area to announce their party, even though it's exclusive to just the heroes and their computer friend, Bimo, who is able to play the tapes. Oh, sir, what they see is just the Ice King's rambling video diary and home movies. Mostly, it's Ice King pontificating or putting on skits, though his penguin assistant, Gunther, is generally uncooperative. <laughs> Speaking of the Ice King, he sees the flyer for the party and decides that he wants to watch not at all cluing in that they're his own tapes. <laughs> I like this. While Finn and Jake are watching the tapes, Finn offhand calls Jake Gunther, like the penguin, <laughs> and Jake fires back that Jake is Gunther. And that's one of the things that I like best about Adventure Time, is the sense that these two are really good friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so a banging on the door interrupts the viewing. The three in the treehouse sneakily look out the window to see the Ice King, and they pretend not to be home so that he'll leave. Unfortunately, Bimo's loud reminder alarm that it's Finn's bath time goes off. Once they cancel the alarm, Finn and Jake resume watching the videos, but the mundane or pathetic nature of the videos makes them desperate to find secrets, so they fast forward, setting to play at normal speed only once in a while. This is pretty funny. While they're fast forwarding, you still can kind of get a sense of what the uh, <laughs> Ice King's inane or pathetic musings are. Yeah, I like there's one particular one where he's lifting weights. Yeah. And Finn says, wait, play at a normal speed. And then you see that he's just struggling to lift them at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're just like, you know, half pound weights. Yeah. yeah. So uh, still not having discovered any secrets, they call Princess Bubblegum on the phone because they figure her intelligence can help them crack the code that they imagine must be hiding the secret. Yeah, it's worth noting that Princess Bubblegum's a scientist. Yeah, a princess and a scientist and made out of bubblegum. Yeah, she is another thing too, but that's later. Ah, so Ice King intercepts the call at the telephone pole. He hijacks it and he tries to impersonate Princess Bubblegum, but they figure it out pretty quickly. An enraged Ice King shoots his freezing powers at the treehouse, and we're left at a cliffhanger of Jake screaming. Now part two. Well, it turns out that Jake was merely extraneously demonstrating to Finn and Bimo that he knew all the words to Alouette, Junta Alouette, not screaming in terror. Then they resume watching the tapes. From the window, the Ice King covertly makes Bimo's beverage freeze so that they will turn in response and show him the screen. 
Now that he knows that it's his videos they're watching, it takes on new importance that he get in and stop them. BMO, meanwhile, hypothesizes a code based on the Ice King's tears and the time between he says a word that begins with M. The result is a dot matrix printout that makes an image of Gunther the Penguin made out of M's. <laughs> and it's a cheap gag, but I like this kind of thing when, when uh, Finn is looking at that paper that's clearly Gunther and says, what does it mean? And tears yeah. it up in frustration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Outside, the Ice King makes several snowmen and animates them as an army that at first just mobs their creator. This buys the young adventurers a chance to watch more videos, but it's just more nonsense. And it occurs to me now, the Ice King has a very similar power set to Elsa from Frozen. Hmm. You know, that she can make uh, living snowmen. Uh, without going into too much spoiler territory, there's a reason for that. Oh, okay. Um, I was thinking that if Elsa grew a beard, she might be able to fly with it. <laughs> so the Ice King breaks into the house through the chimney, which is to say he breaks laterally through the bricks of the chimney column. Yeah. He replaces his sooty clothing with the red tablecloth and lets the snowmen in. The snowmen don't search logically. One snowman gets an apple stuck in its face, earning its master's admiration until the apple falls off. Ice King impales the apple on his pointy nose to take over its leadership quality. Finally, the forces collide, but Bimo plays the last tape and puts the fighting to a standstill so that all can watch in fascination. This tape is a log of Simon Petrikov, a human antiquarian, a collector of old things, telling of the cursed qualities of the Ice King crown. He tells tale of how the crown filled him with visions and madness, how his modified behavior chased away his fiancée Betty, whom he calls his princess, and how his skin turned blue and his new cold body would help him survive the hard times ahead. So, more than just a Christmas episode, this is a seminal one that opens the gate to Ice King's pre-war backstory. Yeah. Yeah, which would be, I guess, why it would be such a popular one with you. Uh, I, I enjoy this one. There's another, there's another, epi well, I'll let you finish. Yeah, I, I know the one you're talking about. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the cookie wizard is distraught about the tape, but the secret that he's worried about is that he once wore glasses. Finn takes pity on the unfortunate soul and he returns the tapes. The ice king in return gives Finn and Jake a tiny pine tree and a docile skunk wrapped in a bow. It gives them the great compromised idea that they should get together with friends once a year when it's chilly and wear silly costumes slash sweaters and exchange gifts. They kind of fashion together the Christmas tradition. <laughs> and in the end, we find out that tale of this holiday miracle is narrated by Shelby, the worm that lives in Jake's viola. Yay. Okay. You know what rocks about Adventure Time? <laughs> a lot, but go ahead. The core voice cast. Uh-huh. Yeah. You got Jeremy Shada. Am I saying his name? Shada? I think so. He plays Finn, and he sounds like a boy in young adolescence, which he authentically was for a time. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the voice, his voice just changes like Finn's voice just changes as he ages throughout the course of the show. Yeah, it's good. And, and he's he's good at playing that sort of uh, casual friend slash authentic child. Mm -hmm. There's John Bender DiMaggio as the cool and sincere Jake the dog. And uh, Jason Kenny as as good an Ice King as he is a SpongeBob. Did you say Jason Kenny? Oh, did I get the wrong guy? Well, I didn't get the wrong guy, did I? It's Tom Kenny. Oh, Tom Kenny. Who am I thinking We're, of for Jason Kenny? I have no idea. I don't that's know that I've ever heard that name before. That's somebody. I'm conflating. That's the premiere of Alberta. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, just Canadian things, I guess. Oh um, boy. Okay, so I'll get this next name right. Nikki Yang. Mm. Uh, the slightly stilted Korean accented voice as BMO is a good compliment to them. Yeah, there was a period where every Asian girl in cartoons was Nikki Yang. Ah, you know, uh, the Korean aspect is so light in her voice, you know, it's not really mm -hmm. strong. Um, yeah. She is also the voice of Lady Rainicorn, who speaks Korean. Right. right. Playing also the cast or not cast, the, the, the staff, mm. Larry uh, Like Leader. Helmed most of the early episodes of Adventure Time. He's worked on lots of other stuff, including the Mighty Bee, to link it back to mm. a prior episode of Animation Celery. Yeah, yeah. I had a thought that Adventure Time was sort of like a revolution. Like, cartoons that are out now are influenced by it, I think. Oh, yeah. Whether it's just because it was popular cartoon, but also because people in the industry worked on Adventure Time and have gone on to work on their own projects. Sure. Uh, Rebecca Sugar, the creator of sure. uh, Steven Universe. Like, the entire Steven Universe only exists because of her great work in Adventure Time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And by the way, in I can't remember about Adventure or, uh, Steven Universe proper, but at least in Steven Universe future, there is this woman who appears frequently as a background character. Like, she doesn't mm -hmm. have a big role. She never talks. She never, like does anything she's just you know a background person to walk by or run away screaming or whatever yeah but she always caught my eye because she looks just like the ice king's fiance betty huh maybe not just a coincidence yeah like i i have to imagine it you know i mean bet well whatever we don't see, we don't see that much of her here but yeah no betty I, I don't want to spoil anything, but Betty, Betty comes back there. There is uh, there's, there's more of Betty later. Hmm. Like this is not the last you'll see of Betty. Hmm. Well, anyway, my, my point about like how this show has spawned so many of the modern shows that are that copy some of its aspects. Somehow this show, however, stands distinct from the shows that have come since. Its children bear more resemblance to each other than this show. <laughs> I think I think it stands out. Its look is more distinct. Yeah. Its comedy is definitely distinct. And its energy and pacing. Yep. I can much better enjoy this than like the joke factory shows. And this has got plenty of jokes in it, right? But yeah, I don't know. It's just got something that's sort of easygoing and genuine about it that I really like. Yeah, Adventure Time is great. Like, mm. there's a re like you know, you say, it, like often imitated, never duplicated. Like, 
Right. Yeah, like there's a reason that everybody has just been chasing Adventure Time for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, I, I, I think this is just like a typical episode, you know? Good times, friendship, Ice King being pathetic. Yep. Had you seen this one before? No, I had not. Okay. So I, I was curious because you, you seemed a little uncertain when I gave it to you. And I was I was enthusiastic about the idea of you learning the Ice King's secret. Well, you know, it's one of these series that I've seen a lot of piecemeal. So mm, it's hard to mm, tell. Right. Mm. The episode that I was talking about, like, you know, you said you could see why I liked this particular episode. And yeah. for the Ice King's background, there's actually another episode that I like more. Well, which yeah. doesn't have the Ice King in it. Oh, okay. It's an episode called, I think it's called Evergreen. Mm. And it is a flashback to unspoken, like basically dinosaur times. Okay. And so before any of the characters exist, and that episode is the origin of the crown. Oh. Hmm. And I love that. Okay. So that's it. Like, that's the thing about Adventure Time. Like, I've seen the whole series. And what I say about Adventure Time is that every episode is self-contained, but more often than not, it'll have one little detail that adds to the whole story. So that by the time you get to the final episode and it all wraps up, you Hmm. you know, pretty much every like everything that has happened more or less makes sense. Um, and then whatever is left, the four specials that they released, the Distant Lands. Like I said, I was talked about Distant Lands before, where there was the one episode called Obsidian that explained the background of Marceline and Princess Bubblegum's relationship. Like that's one of the, you know, the very last episode canonically made them lovers. Mm-hmm. And then and then this Obsidian was like, OK, now that you know, here's their initial relationship and how it fell apart. This is the kind of stuff that people always talk about Adventure Time. And part of me thinks that probably this is like half a percent of the show. It's like you say, it's almost all just self-contained stuff. But it's yeah. the part that pe- that I guess uh, infects people's hearts the most, these, these particular episodes. Uh, yeah, because that's the thing. Like, you, you can watch one episode. Like, I remember there's, you know, a stupid episode where... Uh, I think Jake was making soup or something and a fly landed on it and started drinking some. And Mm. so Jake killed the fly. And then the the story of the rest of the episode was um, Finn and Jake and Bimo being haunted by the ghost of the fly. Like, that's just a stupid self-contained story. Yeah. And it's most of them. Yeah. Really. But it's fun. Like. That's so, oh, yeah, yeah, like man, a, a ghost fly. And it's just like a, a fly in a bed sheet, basically. <laughs> it's tremendous man. stuff. Adventure time is good. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a long journey, though. It Over is this year. I, I've crept through Star Versus this year mm-hmm. and that was three seasons. So four. I don't know about. Four, four. It's four seasons. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know what Adventure Time's 10, 11. Uh, I think it's so, 10, but of varying lengths. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to take have this undertaking, but we'll see. It's a worthwhile journey, I will say. But, you know, I'm always here to just spoil stuff you want to know if you want to know it. 
<laughs> okay. Okay, well, why don't we go on a journey that spans galaxies now? Yeah, I guess. We got more heroes, Christmas heroes. Mm. Uh, this is Justice League. The 2004, I believe, is when this... It, it was two seasons, 2002 to th- 2004. This one's 2004. And mm. it's what it sounds like. Justice League is basically the union of uh, DC Comics superheroes. So specifically, this would be Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Green Lantern, Hawk Girl, John Jones, a.k.a. the Martian Manhunter and the Flash. And at, at other points in its history, people like Aquaman, Black Vulcan, um, numerous different. Uh, what was that? What was the Indian chief's name? Um, oh, Dang, it's not stature. That's that's Marvel. Yeah, uh, I don't remember his name. But anyway, there have been numerous DC superheroes. But this this particular incarnation includes the ones that I just mentioned. And this particular episode only involves five of them. Batman and Wonder Woman are not present. Huh. Apache chief. That's right. I only yeah. know. I only really know him from the one episode of Harvey Birdman that he was in. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, so this is called Comfort and Joy, and it is almost the end of the series. I think there's like a three part series finale and then maybe a movie after this. So this is Mm -hmm. right at the end. Um, When I first started this, I thought maybe it was picking up where a previous episode left off. No, it was just it was just kind of like, this is what the Justice League it's, does. It's starting kind of with a mission. Yeah. yeah okay. Because yeah, yeah. they're on some ice planet and like these two planets are going to collide or something. And so um, the alien race is beaming instructions on how to build a gravitational stabilizer of some kind to Martian Manhunter, who I guess has the ability to read minds. Mm. Um, I, I should preface by saying I don't really know a lot about DC, uh, the DC okay. comics. You, you know, like most of these heroes, you know, Flash is oh, super well, fast. Sure. Yeah. Like I know, yeah. you know, I know the basics of it, but, you know, if there's going to be other characters later that I'm like, who? Oh, sure. Mar- Martian Manhunter basically has every ability plus being afraid of fire. So, <laughs> OK, good yeah. to know. All right. So anyway, they've built this thing and they save this planet. Whatever. The important thing is that now it's time for the superheroes to go on Christmas break. They they rationalize this by saying that Batman is watching over things, which rationalizes why superheroes can take a vacation and also why Batman isn't in this episode. Hmm. So they're going to head back and do some stuff, but Green Lantern decides he's going to stay on this planet and Hawk Girl opts to stay with him because I think they have some kind of a smoldering romance or something going. You might know better than I do. Yeah, they do. Okay. So... Martian Manhunter, a.k.a. Jean Jones, stoically comments that this holiday has no meaning to him. And so Superman starts thinking. And then we get the title sequence. So now we see that Green Lantern decided to stay behind because he wanted to snowboard on his green magic. The Green Lantern, this is a not a specific person, but a mantle that is passed around different people. And they kind of have the ability to make objects out of the color green. There are other lanterns for other colors. Um, Yeah. I think if I remember correctly, Green Lantern's weakness is the color yellow. 
I could be wrong. At about times, that. Okay. The, the the gold the golden age Green Lantern's weakness is wood. <laughs> yeah, right. but yeah, basically that's the idea. Is they can make whatever they can think of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he's snowboarding because it reminds him of sledding when he was a kid. Now Hawk Girl is an alien, and she's away from home. She can't go back home for some reason, um, and she doesn't get it. And so. GL tries to impress her with some fun snow time activities like snowmans and snow angels, which, of course, for a woman with wings of her own, a makeshift angel in the snow is nothing. Yeah. But then <laughs> Green Lantern kicks off a snowball fight. And when it comes to warfare, that's something that Hot Girl can get behind. Hmm. Back on Earth, the Flash shows up for his yearly, uh, his yearly Christmas tradition, which is playing Grampy to a <laughs> modern day orphanage. He wants to spread comfort and joy to the kids, and it's traditional for him to get them whatever they want for Christmas. And this year they want DJ Rubba Ducky, which is a toy robot duck that raps and farts. Now, the orphanage director warns the Flash that this is the hottest toy of the year and everybody is sold out. But Flash figures, yeah, I can handle this. Meanwhile, Clark Kent, that Superman, <laughs> brings Jean back to his parents' farm in Smallville. Jean is uncertain, but the Kents are good people who are happy to have a friend of their son's as a guest for the holidays. And of course, they're unfazed by the fact that he's an alien, because in case you forgot... Superman is an alien who crash landed on Earth and was raised by these two. I like their voices, by the way. Ma and the, Pa Kent. Yeah, mm. they are. Pa Kent is Mike Farrell, who was BJ Honeycutt in MASH. Mm. And Ma Kent is, oh, what was her name? Shelly something. She was Christine in the sitcom Coach. <laughs> All right. So it's kind of, oh, OK, neat. Sitcom alumni. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now, Jean is kind of intrigued to see Clark acting like an ordinary human for once, because he's used to seeing him as Superman. But Jean is still a bit awkward in this cozy surroundings. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't understand any of this stuff. He doesn't understand hospitality and, and Christmas. Actually, I should backstory you here. Uh-huh. Uh, John's deal is that He's uh, the last surviving Green Martian. Oh. So he has, like, no family. He watched his family oh, die. Oh, so. yeah. okay. That All right, that adds a little to it. All right, mm. cool. Now, back on the ice planet, the snow war rages with trebuchets <laughs> and... And Hot Girl using her mace to create waves of snow and crash whole trees worth of snow. Because they're superheroes. They can handle this kind of thing. But Green... And you know, hmm? you know, this this fits into the uh, kind of like sporting with superpowered characters. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. I think so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, green Lantern ends up winning just by making a whole bunch of green hands to throw snowballs simultaneously. But even after the snowball fight is over, Hot Girl still kind of doesn't understand why this time of the year, or at least the Earth year, is a big deal. She's just, eh. But she does remember celebrating successful missions on her home planet. And though she can't go back to her home planet, she has found another planet that has a similar vibe. 
She doesn't think Green Lantern would be interested in it, but uh, <laughs> Green Lantern is interested in plenty. <laughs> yeah. Back on Earth, Flash is running around trying to find DJ Rubba Ducky, but all he finds are sold out stores and angry parents. So, because he's a superhero, he gets the brilliant idea to use the powers that no angry parents have and go straight to the factory in Japan. You know, I kind of like the misdirect, though, that he gets the idea by looking in a shop window <laughs> at a little automated Santa and elves building toys. And he says, I know, I'll go straight to the source. Yes. And then it cuts <laughs> to a shot of Mount Fuji. And I was like, oh, because yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing you were thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so in Japan, the toy company guy is happy to give Flash their very last DJ rubber ducky, which makes me wonder what exactly this toy company is doing if they're not making more of their hottest selling toy. <laughs> right. I guess they underestimated, I guess. I guess they're employing Nintendo's method, which is to make three amiibo and that's it. Yeah. Anyway, back on the Kent's farm, the family and John chat over hot chocolate about Christmas's past. Now, there is only one scene in all of Justice League that I remember actually. Oh, no, wait, there's a couple. But this is one of the only scenes in this cartoon that I remember seeing, which is mm -hmm. an exchange where Ma Kent is telling uh, Jean about how they would wrap uh, Clark's presence in lead foil because he can see through things with his X-ray vision, but not lead. And so he's like, oh, yeah, we wrapped it up in foil in lead foil so he wouldn't peek. And Clark just kind of looks sort of confused and says, you mean Santa wrapped them? And yeah. the parents are like, oh, of, of course, dear. Yes, <laughs> that would be a, a good joke for Clark to make. At the same time, I've seen people speculate that he doesn't in this uh, reality. He doesn't discover that he's Superman until he's a teenager. Oh, which means that he would have believed in Santa through high school. <laughs> well, yeah, but also he's got he would have had his x-ray vision. But they wouldn't have. Maybe they would have known that. I guess you can't really turn. I guess, you know, if you have an ability that's just natural to you, maybe it doesn't clue in that not everybody has that ability. You know, like, well, it, it it does. It's a good gag, but it doesn't really work when you think about it too much, because yeah. in in the first Superman, the animated series arc, he uses his X-ray vision for the first time. But uh -huh. anyway, anyway, a good gag. Yeah, it is a good gag. Now, now, Jean is still just kind of doesn't know what to think of all of this. And he is further stunned when Ma Kent gives him a Christmas present. It's a hand knit sweater, which <laughs> Martian Manhunter, like you said, he can do anything. So he just kind of shape shifts himself to make it to to make the sweater fit. Yeah, it was fitted for Superman, yeah. I think. <laughs> so now we head to an alien city, which is straight out of Star Wars or maybe Rick and Morty 10 years in the future. Oh. Uh, and this is where Hot Girl likes to party. She takes Green Lantern to a bar where everybody knows her name. And after enjoying a disgusting drink, she decides that she only needs one more thing to make this visit perfect. Now, Green Lantern is expecting a kiss here, but instead, Hawkgirl smashes the guy next to her in the hand with her mace and frames Green Lantern. And the celebratory bar fight begins. Back at Central City, Flash rushes to deliver the toy to the orphans, but is distracted by an explosion at the museum. 
the culture that the culprit rather is ultra humanite who is a character that I am not familiar with, but apparently was the first supervillain that Superman ever fought in the comics. Yeah. In some he's form. a super, he's a paralyzed super genius. And eventually he transplants his, uh, mind into this gorilla form. Yeah. So this is basically an albino gorilla, uh, with a, you know, one of those like alien style protruding brain heads. Yeah. And he, he fancies himself the pinnacle of human evolution. And he thinks that modern artwork is a revolting deviation. Flash stops him. But in the process, the DJ rubber ducky toy is wrecked. At his lowest point, he allows Ultra Humanite to knock him out. But when he comes to, he finds that Humanite has decided to call a truce and to repair the damaged toy, albeit with some improvements. Back at the Kent farm, Jean becomes immaterial and floats around the Kent house, seeing them all enjoying Christmas Eve in their wholesome ways, including Clark looking at presents and lamenting that they're covered in lead foil. <laughs> Uh, he heads to town where he sees complete strangers being civil to each other. He reads the <laughs> mind of a little girl who has been told by some stupid boy that Santa isn't real. And so he delights her by walking on her roof and eating the cookies that she left. And he is entranced by singing from the church. Cut to the alien bar where the brawl is still underway and Green Lantern and Hot Girl are cornered by the monstrous guy Hot Girl started the whole melee with. And then cut to the orphanage, where Grampy, I mean Flash, and his snowman helper deliver the new and improved DJ Rubba Ducky. But this version doesn't rap and fart. He tells the story of the Nutcracker, which the children actually end up listening raptly to. And then Humanite is off to jail, I questioned this at first. It was one of those things where it's like, why do superheroes always just throw villains directly into jail, like without due process? But well, apparently, also, apparently yeah. Humanite has previously escaped from jail. So he is just, you know, continuing his set sentence. Well, this I, I have a problem with it in that they call a truce and Humanite had Flash dead to rights. I think he should walk myself. But mm. anyway. Well, like for, I said, I think he's yeah. supposed to be in jail for previously committed crimes. Yeah. I don't know. I saw a clip on YouTube because I wanted to know whether it was humanite or humanity. Oh, and okay. so yeah. I found a clip of Lex. I almost said Lex Luger, who is a wrestler. Lex Luthor. Um, he's no Jason Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I found a clip of Lex Luthor saying ultra humanite because he was you know, enlisting him to help break out of the jail. So they have previously yeah. broken out of jail. So this is where Humanite uh, belongs. But Flash has repaid the villain's kindness by giving him an aluminum Christmas tree, which Humanite enjoys. At the alien bar, the fight is over and Green Lantern, Hot Girl and their big rocky adversary sleep in each other's arms. Yeah, that's the next part of a ritual in the third moon of Galtos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Hot Girl finally pecks the sleeping hero's cheek. And at the Kent farm, Clark and his parents awaken on Christmas morning to the lovely sound of Jean singing. And that's the end. Yeah. So, yeah, just a nice little superheroes doing Christmas things. I dig it. 
Yeah, it's sweet. It doesn't need to have some, you know, Lex Luthor or the Joker trying to steal Christmas or some such. No, and you get looks at, you know, they pair up. I mean, Green Lantern and Hot Girl pair up quite a bit, but uh, you get some interesting, you know, interactions between Manhunter and and, and Superman. And yeah. There's, there's lots of, I think this show in general, I really like Justice League and then Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. The, the the basic DC animated universe. Right. They kind of, they get it right. DC Comics, and by that I mean like the past and the present, are pretty dumb. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, but that's part of their charm. And I think this series gets that, gets the charm of it, while at the same time they uh, make it coherent with consistent characters. Yeah. It's good writing. The characters are really good in this show. Yes. And one thing I think they do, they do throughout the series entirely. And in this Christmas episode, it would have been tempting to have more Batman. But Batman is the least explored character in the show because I guess they feel they've already done it a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, he had a whole other series just for him. Right. Several, actually. Yeah. One of the things I always thought was kind of funny is how many simian characters <laughs> the uh, DC they've got Ultra Humanite, Gorilla Grodd, yeah. the gorilla that wants Flash yeah, mentioned like he yeah. said you know he's he says it'll be no problem to get the DJ Rubber Ducky because he beat Gorilla Grodd, and then this gorilla yeah. showed up and I'm like oh this must be Gorilla Grodd, no and then just, I, just another ape. Well, I looked it up and it was like oh actually this is Ultra Humanity. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They've also got Monsieur Mala, who's a gorilla with a beret and a machine gun. Jeez, <laughs> man. Detective Chimp, Beppo the Super Monkey. They're flush with uh, simians. Man. <laughs> um, It's tempting. You know, I don't think much about this show. I mean, I, I barely knew this show existed. And I kind of just go, oh, OK, the show about Superman and Batman or whatever. But I forget mm. about the pedigree of the Batman animated series. Like, uh, yeah, that was a really good cartoon. And I was always down on these back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're they're they've got a very distinct style to them. Yeah, I that, I it, don't it know. Can a- yeah, it can animate super badly sometimes. Yeah, I just looking at the. The the title sequence starts with the silhouettes of the characters walking forward. And I am not a great artist, but some one tip that I was often given was, you know, look at their characters in silhouette. Like, don't look at the details and stuff. Just look at the silhouette of them and see if they look decent. And I'm looking at the silhouettes of like Batman and Superman who are just like weird and gigantic and, you know, hot girl and Wonder Woman who are like tiny like their bodies just pinch in everywhere like you know mm. i actually i actually advise people to study this yeah because i see it all the time i see people i don't know what it is about drawing the flash running one of the hardest things you could draw for superheroes but people do it all the time and they get lost in a world of detailed quadriceps and the like Mm. it's funny that when animating these dc characters you know that are traditionally where you see every little minute muscle in full detail yeah that these shows are so minimalist, mm-hmm. but it's about getting the hard details right that you need, right? Where you start with them 
And then, because people get lost in the weeds of doing the small muscles and don't get the overall shapes right. So I advise that this is actually a pretty good show to go off of. Sure. But like I, like I say, all the hard angles and stuff, it can animate really badly when it's the bad episodes. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, man. The Joker? Mm. I hate, for whatever reason, Batman animated series, the Joker is like the hardest design to draw. And he's in some of the worst animated episodes. <laughs> you know, uh, Poison Ivy gets the best animation. Go figure. And <laughs> J- Joker just gets the awful ones. And he he just falls off a cliff. He's <laughs> he's so hard to draw. But. Yeah. I mean, there. well, gosh, now I'm thinking about what was that? Was it the Batman where the Joker was this big Hulk with like hair like a jester's cap or something? Yeah, different deal. Uh, like, gross Joker. Well, yeah, different different takes on it. The when people say the DC animated universe, they mean Batman the animated series. Uh, is it Superman the animated? I can't remember what this official title of it is. And then uh, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond, uh, Static Shock, and the Zeta Project, and like a small number of movies. Mm-hmm. But the the other ones are like different takes on it. Yeah, but. This has just so much uh, continuity and source to it that you can just, uh, I think it's worth it going through Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, especially. I can believe it because like Mm. I said, you know, the pedigree that I mentioned and that you just uh, reiterated, like, Mm. you know, if this is following on the footsteps of Batman, the animated series, which is, you know, it's it was like. It was like the Adventure Time of 1990. Oh, man. And it rewrote so much of Batman's official history, too. Mm -hmm. Because these characters were stupid. Like I said, the comics are dumb, right? Like, Mr. Freeze was just some idiot until they made a good episode about him of the cartoon. So, yeah. Same thing with Scarecrow and Mad Hatter and so on. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, just, you know, just add a little... Add a little thought, add a little drama, add a little realism, a little, you know? Yeah, add a little Bruce Tim and Paul Dini. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm an, I'm an Egyptologist, but if I get hit on the head, I think I'm King Tut, and I also think King Tut was important. Like, <laughs> yeah. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Those things have their place, too. Uh, maybe in the future I'll recommend an episode of Batman Brave and the Bold. <laughs> okay. It's kind of like... Its take is, remember how stupid these Batman comics were? It's more like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can imagine that has a certain element of charm to it, too. It does. It does. Um, Well, good. Yeah. Um, I think I think we should tie things up and get let people open their gifts and get to Christmas dinner because they're listening to us on Christmas Day. Yeah, you're listening to us practically as we're recording it. Uh, Yeah, that's our Christmas show next week. It's not going to quite line up on New Year's Day, but it's close. Actually, it does. Does it? Actually, New Year's Day? New Year's Day, January 1st is Saturday. Oh, golly. Wow, this is like the golden year, This our first year. Yeah, cool. Okay, so, And it won't happen again for like four years. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to take care of business is what we're going to do. All right. Um, what yeah, business? I, well, we actually have a watcher of the show. Uh, we've we've looked at one of our recommendations before. Uh, 
she has mentioned the Care Bears movie before, and again recently, while quoting several bits of nonsense that we've said. So, you know, an actual, honest-to-God uh, listener of Animation Celery, <gasps> we ought to fulfill that request and review the Care Bears movie. Okay. Hmm. Care Bears. I wonder yeah. if this is the one that I saw in theaters. There's no way I would remember. <laughs> well, then the answers will not be forthcoming. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, thank you, all of you who choose to listen to us uh, just talk garbage about cartoons. Yeah. Um, in this season of giving, tweet us the gifts of stuff to talk about. Give us stuff to watch. I'm at DrabSwatch on Twitter, and I... Would like to wish everybody banana slamma and a happy new year. Hmm. I'll say Merry Christmas because I am I have a religious objection to banana slamming. <laughs> I, I remember when you couldn't say a banana slamma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing it back. Yeah. The gift that I would like is for you to share animation celery with everyone, you know, just just, you know, instead of the normal Christmas presents, like, just give them a card with our URL on it. <laughs> That's all people yeah. really need. Anyway, for now, I'm AC Matsy on Twitter. And as Micah tried to say, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Celery Stalker slogan. And so it was decided that once every year when the weather got chilly, that Finn, Jake, the Ice King, Bemo, Princess Bubblegum... Marceline the Vampire Queen, Cinnamon Bun, Peppermint Butler, Phil, a candy cane man, one of the gumdrop girls, Lady Rainicorn, Lumpy Space Princess, that guy, the other guy, the pig, tree trunks, a two-headed duck, the old crazy tart toter, the punch bowl, a booger, and Gunter would get together while wearing really big sweaters and watch videos on the floor next to a fire to celebrate the day when Finn and Jake had a fleeting moment of empathy for the biggest weirdo in Ooh. It was a miracle. Good night. <laughs>